Welcome to the Gaming and Chill episode number 106. Today we have a guest. It's Zach. Hi, Zach. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're going to be talking about some art creation, art preservation, and we're probably going to make one million JoJo references that I will not get. <laughs> I just recently started watching uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And it's uh, it is a show you have to watch in doses. For me, for me at least. Um, but before all that, this episode is sponsored by Humble Bundle and Eight Bit Metal. Thanks, guys. Our partner for this week's podcast is Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is an online digital store that sells some of the most popular games from the most popular game developers. But that's not all. They also offer bundle deals that change weekly and monthly that allow you to pay a designated amount for a collection of games or ebooks that can often save you hundreds of dollars. Humble Bundle then donates portions of its proceeds to a featured charity. In addition to this awesome business model, they have also partnered with us so we get a small portion of any purchase or donation through their website. All you need to do is go to our website, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the Humble Bundle Partner logo and shop for any games of your heart's desire. Thanks, Humble Bundle! Back to you guys. So how are you doing today there, Zach? Uh, I'm doing well, if not uh, a scant bit sleep-deprived. That's what you were saying. You're working on a new video? Yeah, a new video. Um, it's kind of meandering. I had intended the video to be just something experimental that I could, you know, something super consumable. Done in a minute. I have... The long and short of it is uh, new new software, new functions that I can use mm -hmm. in my toolkit, so to speak. And that one minute video is now thirty. So <laughs> nice. That is the way things always go, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, I'll just real fast take care of this. Nope, oh. just kidding. Just have a sick Final Fantasy montage. Just kidding. Sociopolitical docu pick. Exactly. Um, I had seen your uh, Technicolor mas uh, masculinity. Uh huh. That's oh, yeah, a that's... really good video. Thank you. It's. Uh, I'm really proud of the title. So this, the title itself, is a JoJo reference, um, which you might be aware of. It's, it's just a common phrase that's said mm -hmm. when stands are introduced. So the phrase is, "Is this the work of an enemy stand?" Uh, you know, something bizarre happens in the world, and the main character or characters will say that to themselves. Is this an enemy stand? So nice. the so the first part, so the full title is Hirohiko Araki and his Technicolor Masculinity. Part one, is this the work of cultural osmosis? And that is a very wordy thing, and I was so smug about that. I had a big grins like man i'm so smart <laughs> <laughs> i have not got to the part where stands are introduced yet okay um i am literally at the part where the manor burns down like i started at the very beginning Ooh, ooh. Uh, so so what stands aren't introduced to like the third part the third part okay correct. thank god i got that <laughs> i don't think <laughs> i'd be able to level it down hang up, hang up. yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm literally at the part where the uh, the vampire mask or whatever it is. Okay, cool. So it's, um, so you're like right at the end of Phantom Blood, and then you're going to be into, um, Battle Tendency, which is part two. Lucky for you, mm -hmm. if you 
this is totally tangential. Um, if you watch the anime, uh, there's a second season. Okay. Uh, it's available on Crunchyroll. We're not sponsored by Crunchyroll. I ho- I wish I was. Hey, Crunchyroll. Um, but there's a consolidated. It trims the fat, so to speak, and it it essentially turns both Phantom Blood and uh, Battle Tendency into an OVA more or less and it's very consumable if you want to watch it it's it's i think it's labeled as the second season within the jojo tab but um the first two are the most consumable of the parts because the the part i'm at now jojolian part eight uh it is at 82 from what i can gather wow and it's not yet completed. And the one prior to it was Steel Ball Run, which is part seven. Funny enough, this, these, these aren't spoilers. The main character is from Kentucky, born in Danville, Kentucky. And you see parts of that story take place in Churchill Downs. And that's fascinating to no. see a Japanese. Yeah, to see a Japanese man represent us. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a, that's another video I have intended um, called cultural reciprocity because I want to represent Japan similarly to how Araki represented our Kentucky. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I know it's bizarre. It's like why would you pick? Th- okay, so what's even freakier? And I, it's getting to the point where I think Araki is watching me because mm-hmm. part part six, and I'm again I'm not gonna get into spoilers. I'm just gonna name the setting happens in Port St. Lucie, Florida, which is where my cousins live. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And that's uh, Stone Ocean, isn't it? Yep. Yep. You, you can't prove that I have the JoJo Bizarre Adventure wiki page <laughs> pulled up. You got to close that because that is spoilers. Like, it just takes a second to spoil a lot of emotional investment. No, like... I, I'm literally at the bottom of the article where it tells me the mains and the spinoffs and the okay. anime. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, I need to know the titles of uh, the arcs. See, when, whenever I hear, like, because um, I thought Stardust Crusaders was, like, its own, like, JoJo series in a level. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, it's more, like, closer to an arc. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so that's like the One Piece Orange City arc, Battle Carnival arc. Um, what is the arc where they had to deal with uh, Fishboy? I'm going to be entirely transparent. I tapped out on One Piece in about sixth grade. Like, like I was, I am like 600 episodes. Not not that I have any issue with One Piece, but it's just uh, it's so long. Yeah, and it's like I've never. And it's still running. Yeah, and and, and it, it's incredibly popular. And if you like it, you like it. I'm not I'm not poking fun at any listener who does like it. But man, when you have a 52 episode quota in a year, you can definitely tell what's sparsed out and what sequences are being reused. And <laughs> you know, like you're like this. This scene seems familiar. Yeah, it's like hmm. What I was I was talking with a friend of mine, and it's I think at this point it's almost a thousand episodes because it's been running since like two thousand one. Yeah, if not ninety nine. Um, 
like one uh, one piece running time because i'm like i think there's over we need a, to, like we need to figure this out it's it's got to be within this year that's hitting a thousand um so the oh wait anime do 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 not anime films original run of the anime tv series october 20th 1999 boy i have no life <laughs> that that is almost eight. It's if, if as long as it's updated, that is eight hundred and sixty-eight episodes. I think I was talking with a friend of mine. I'm like, yeah, I should, I should marathon them all. It turns out if you watch them twenty-four hours a day, uh-huh. it would still take you eleven days straight to watch yeah, One Piece. At that point, I think it'd be best to consume your One Piece in Lincoln Park AMV format. <laughs> exactly cuts out all yeah. of the uh battling and things like that yeah, yeah yeah um but there's something admirable about a show that is able to run for that long and still still be popular still still be like not only popular the most popular <laughs> like yeah very successful it's like it's like back in the west when pokemon was at its you know, Twilight in 1998 mm-hmm. to have that not go away. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, considering Pokemon actually still runs. Oh yeah. To- to- oh yeah. But I don't think it's maintained the popularity that no, one piece f- has. Mm, no, I was, um, I subscribed to a lot of Japanese YouTube channels and just every now and again, there'll be an unboxing video for some kind of vinyl figure for one piece. Like, it's just how popular it is because this particular series, they, they had assembled a shelf or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was some sort of challenge. At the, the, the channel and the, the title escaped me, but it was a bunch of friends getting together, opening up all of these mini vinyl figures and just completing a diorama from scratch, from start to finish, putting up the diorama. And they heard well over a thousand figures in that oh, shelf. Oh, good lord. Yeah. I was like, holy heck. <laughs> that is a lot of money put into it. I can't say much because I have sunk quite a large amount of money into my JoJo vinyl figures and my Ava figures. So. Nice. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't got to that point yet. Um, even, even things like My Hero Academia or Voltron, I haven't sunk money into. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's so easy with pop figures. Yeah, yeah. There's I got a tangential story about pop figures. So, so I, you know, I like uh, J Rock. You know, Japanese pop culture. I mean, that's yeah. what my YouTube channel's about. My one of my friends gave me only one of the 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 cast members of, or sorry, the band members, I should say, of Baby Metal, <gasps> and he said, "I have now cursed you. You're going to have to buy the whole set, and that's going to open up a rabbit hole. So you're going to buy more Funko Pops." Nice. <laughs> so I was like, dang it, you got me. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that Baby Metal is one of those bands where you're going, huh? Gothic Lolita heavy metal band Japanese. That's a lot of commas to put into that tag system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign me up, Chief. <laughs> exactly. Especially, um, I think their most popular song is Chocolate. Yeah, give me easily. Chocolate. Yeah. Easily one of their most popular. And I'm like, how you you kind of wonder, because considering the system of J-pop, K-pop is all very much about the cutesy bands, uh-huh. a girl's generation, to any one, all those. 
how did they land upon okay we've got attractive japanese girls ladies mm-hmm. uh they, yeah the ladies i think it would be a better way safer way to describe that well they're ladies now they're 20 21 now so. yeah yeah and let's put them into gothic lolita fashion okay and heavy metal with a skeleton draw <laughs> skeleton guitarist well that's the funny thing about that the 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 difference between k-pop and j-pop well i guess mainstream i should say mm-hmm. is that k-pop is very much i'm gonna say processed it's heavily processed okay there's there's a much grander socio-economic video that could be made of it, it but should. uh but in uh in well specifically baby metals case uh that those are all the girls the the girls were friends when they were kids they all liked this music and they came to that aesthetic together they uh the backup dancers that's their own choreography uh, and uh, they just happened to, uh, you know, Get pursue hard. this, and then they they found, um, you know, I guess back ten years ago, adults that um, had a quote unquote legitimate band, you know, were playing guitars and drums, and they just kind of went from there. That's that's awesome. Um, I, I, I will I, I will agree that uh, K-pop is very like processed, and it's. It's to a point where it's like an it's a full industry. Um, oh, t- oh t- people t- think that Hollywood and music industry in America is something. Oh no, compared no, to no, this is like no, this is like on nitro, like they they determine their basically they determine their life. Um, who you're allowed to see, who you're allowed to not, mm-hmm. and it's one of those like on some levels it's kind of disturbing once you kind of realize that basically they almost enter indentured servitude borderline like slavery basically i I don't want to throw around that word but it's very much a you do this that word's apropos if you have these young men and women physically collapsing of exhaustion yeah um so i don't think that's too and there are also the housing like i said we can probably make this a separate podcast entirely but you know housing situations shared spaces where they're you know they have a requisite amount of time that they need to practice choreography and blah blah blah. Yeah. And and even they'll even have a dietitian that say, "Hey, you have to be on this super low caloric diet to maintain this figure because you have the X Y Z events and you you know you need to maintain this image until you're 25. You signed this contract when you were 17 and blah blah. You know. Yeah. And now, now you're you're locked into it. It's, right. It, on levels, it's like I feel bad for listening to K-pop then. But it's so catchy that it's like, I really shouldn't enjoy this knowing the conditions that they put these people in. But <laughs> I am finding this enjoyable, but mm-hmm. I'm also disgusted with myself, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like knowing that your iPhone is made by children laborers in a foreign country and then also going, but iMessage, right? <laughs> look at this gif i could send in a message look at that exactly it's one of those in the modern era there's there's always a dichotomy there oh absolutely um but moving from music art uh you do art correct if i yeah, if I'm i understand a professional your instagram comic book artist yeah 
I'm so, a professional comic book artist. Nice. Um, I try to be at least. I, I was going to ask, do you have any published work? Because I know you went to Comic Con. That's where I met you. Yeah. Um, Comic Con. What? Nearly three years ago now? No, it was only last year. It was just a long year, dude. Because last year was SuperCon. The year before oh, I that, I had I a guess, table. No, I guess you're right. It would be getting up on two years. I'm the dingus. I was like, wait, what's time? It's 2000. It's like middle 2018, isn't it? No, yeah. no, you're right. You're right. It'd be close two and a half, two three years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I still have the Zelda print you made. It is actually in a oh, yeah. book uh, at my desk because I was basically I packed up my entire desk so that I could just grab my my box and go. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> Deuces. Exactly. It's my uh my it's my box that I just keep that I can just take and go everything else you can burn it for all i care um <laughs> but i still have that artwork that you did and uh you did other artwork there as well correct yeah yeah bigger pieces that literally everybody was ignoring even though i was doing a live demonstration on the show floor um that year was not great for table owners for either of us because it got to a point where we were just basically passing notes and just going you know going to the other we was like what you got exactly what you got you know it's like and what was it uh it was friday saturday sunday wasn't it or was it just uh, saturday and sunday i think it was just saturday sunday because well i think we met on the friday and that's when everybody's setting up yeah yeah um so saturday it was like okay cool there was a lot of people there a lot of foot traffic, a lot of foot traffic. And everybody's like, oh, I'll come back by later. And a lot of costumes. Did. It was it was a lot of hustle and bustle. It's just one of those – it's it's always a disappointment to me it's... as an artist. Well, I guess both of us, just as content creators, you know, you have your radio show, mm -hmm. right? You know, writing is just as much as an art form. Speaking, radio is just as much as an art form as, you know, comic books. And people don't want that. They want their uh... – They want their Funko Pops. Yeah, exactly. Um – so and that that ultimately like discouraged me from getting or from getting another booth for the podcast at all. It was like, well, that seems like a, it was a definitely a money sink. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't make any money. You were the only commission that oof. I got. Uh, so I was drawing the whole weekend, forty eight hours, and you were the only commission right at the tail end when we were just hanging out on Sunday and it was winding down and people didn't want to you know go out of their way to go uh you know to the fairgrounds to yeah to get the last two three hours in and you know that's on a level and i can i can almost understand because having went the next year um if you don't have a ton of money walking into a con you're not walking out with much um mm -hmm. i think last uh, so the louisville supercon was a couple months ago now Six weeks, yep. And December some 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 yeah. 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 And I walked out with I had spent nearly a hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, let's put uh, let's let's kinda contextualize this for the listeners. So Louisville Supercon was so large, we went to the same convention and didn't run into each other apparently. <laughs> I went I, what day did you go? All of them. Oh, okay. So... I went on Saturday and I, I think in about four or five hours i was like okay i've seen everything like 
I was just like, I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we were at the same place at the same time and didn't see each other. Yeah, massive. But at the same time, I feel like it was a lot of the same stuff as normal. Um, there's always the comic book tables. Right. Um, there's always the, the, the guy. Funko, the Funko Pop. The, the Funko Pop guy, but there's always... Oh, I got a story about... I don't know. Okay. It, it feeds into the vendors, but... So there's always the silver-haired guy who's selling, like, Bronze Age, Silver Age comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like... I don't know what this guy's pitch was, but I didn't have much patience for him at all. I was actually quite short with him because he was one of those vendors that clearly took art offline and printed it out to sell. Ooh. Yeah, and he's like, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, come on, come on, come over here. I was like, uh, what What do you want? It's like, hey, you know, I got I got just the print for you. You know, you know what you look like? You look like, like Junkrat from that Overwatch. Yeah, Junkrat. And I don't know if he was trying to be complimentary or not, but I was just like, I already had a bias towards him using stolen artwork. It's like, I know, sir, you do not draw in 48 unique styles. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was just like, man. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. That would be off, that would be off-putting. Yeah. I mostly stuck out by the... Uh, there was this uh, sweet little Japanese couple. I was speaking to them, and they were from Akihabara. They were older. I think they had been in their fifties. They're probably retired, or they do this full time, mm-hmm. full full blown Japanese. And I was just hanging out by their booth, um, looking at all the figs. And uh, they're the booth that I only spent twenty dollars at this convention, and it is. Uh, I got two Neon Genesis Evangelion figures. Nice. So that's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, I ended up buying a Soul Eater print mm-hmm. uh, that first was from somebody, and then I actually got Monica Real and uh, who is the voice of uh, Black Star? Whoever Black Star is, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Oh, I got you. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up getting that for a friend of mine who uh, watched uh, Soul Eater with her son. And that was oh, their okay. favorite show to watch together. And I was like, gotcha. Okay, I'll get that. And then I ended up getting like a cup, a book, and then a comic book I've literally never read. Uh, but other than that, it was like I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, if I wanted to get a Funko Pop, I'd just order it offline. But to me, yeah. like, Comic Con is something to go and do local people's. But I don't have exactly a ton of space to hang stuff up or to put stuff on display, not with a cat and a child. So I'm like, makes sense. I'm like, complicate things. I'm like, I don't know about buying all that. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that I want to buy a hundred dollar figure and be like, I will look at this for (laughs) a little while and then I'll chase the cat off and the child off. Um, my friend has that exact same problem. He, um, I mean, he, he had the figure well before he had. The, the you know hey, his wife first and come the first child serve. and blah 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 so it's like this it's this beautiful two foot tall ray figure but she's in like a, a cat outfit but it's the, the the parts where um she's in this cat outfit are flocked so this beautiful figure poor thing looks like you've been putting cigarettes out on it because it's fallen on the floor the, got, the child has gotten it you know because the, the child's eyes it's like man look at this big old toy <laughs> yeah that's rough <laughs> 
That's right. Uh, he's not. He's not too upset about it. Like we, he, he's had it since I. So he's not too upset about it. So. Good. Um. Yeah. So you do art. Is so you do comic book art, correct? Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Um. I know you did a lot of Venom stuff and uh, Hellboy. Hell yeah, Hellboy. Oh yeah. Um. So is that what you would like to end up doing? professionally comic books or what was what kind of art would you like to be doing professionally as, as opposed know, to right now which is not as professional, to right but now. It, it totally is yeah. professional um i don't know in all honesty i'd, I'd like to be i don't know what as, as long as it's just art because i i sculpt i do it all i sculpt I've, i'm getting into uh, sewing i'm making some jojo costumes right now because you can't order them um nice yeah, um, I've done taxidermy. Have you really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's... I've articulated skeletons before. That's awesome. Uh, naturally occurring. I found them. It's not like I went out. And... I was not <laughs> going to accuse you of like, okay, so what did you do with the animals? No. <laughs> that's, that's actually really cool. I feel like I've heard only a couple people kind of really get into taxidermy. I think... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Mortimer, Susie, uh-huh. from yeah. uh, the Game Grumps, yeah. got into taxidermy and is doing – it's actually part of a collections per, a group for a museum now. That's nice. That's awesome. I know. It's like, huh, that's a big leap from doing taxidermy to to that. Yeah, I got a bit frustrated, admittedly, with uh, taxidermy, not because of the art form itself, just but because there's a – there are, and this is with any community, you know, we just have to be talking about taxidermy. But there are particular persons who see taxidermy, which I, and well, this, I guess, feeds into my thought process of my archiving mm-hmm. art, where I see a piece of taxidermy as an educational tool and, and a wealth of knowledge. Okay. And a price gets inflated because somebody wants to be gothic and 22 in their apartment if that makes sense you know they so they're so it's there's like a, a there's a super high demand for it and they're like the prices have crept higher and higher and higher not that they've ever been low mm-hmm. but because there's a demand for it these things that were more readily available for classrooms and, and things like that and and you do see you do find private sellers like okay uh, You'll see, like, people that are from, a, say, a specific part of the world. Um, there are a lot of uh, beetles that you can get that died of natural causes that co- are coming out of southeastern Asia that get cast in resin. So maybe not that specific example, but if you're trying to find, you know, an articulated cat skeleton or something like that. But... So, okay, so if I'm understanding correctly, so there's like a big inflation of, like, like you said, people who are 22 and are like, I want a cat skeleton and a this raven skeleton. This is my skeleton. ass. That, yeah, 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 exactly. In, in my room, and it's like, sweetie, you've uh, this is really might be just a phase. Are you gonna take this to go to medical school? Yeah, yeah, yeah or veterinary school, or although if you were a veteran, you had a cat skeleton, that would be kind of cool, I guess. That would be sick. Yeah, but yeah, it's not in a. It's what I feel like. It's one of those aesthetics that you're either super into, or this is just a phase. Yeah, you got to double down. But like, even if it's just a phase, you gotta double down because you gotta have that burnout real quick before you hit twenty five. <laughs> you know, like, when you're twenty five and you have only a cat skeleton in your house, 
you might have a problem. Yeah, However, you, couch, you only have an articulated cat skeleton. <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense. So then it becomes harder for a person who truly wants to study that or who is into that right. to be to ha- to get that to acquire that piece of uh Right. And and there are there are also a lot of uh assumptions of me looking the way I do a very heavily tattooed individual mm-hmm. with an articulated skeleton, you know. You know, it's like, oh, he must be goth. It's like, I don't know what that means, but I like science. Yeah. They, yeah. they I think that it happens with a lot of the uh people who have a lot more visible tattoos, even today, which is incredibly mm-hmm. sad to me, of like you're heavily tattooed. That must mean you're a punk or you're gothic you know or what's you're bizarre? on a watch what's, list. And it's like, what's super bizarre, I've had some weird exchanges. Um, people, a lot of the time, they assume I smoke the marijuana, and I'm not a prude, but I, I also don't, you know, I'm not taking tokes to the dome. Right. You know, so um, they assume I skateboard. Um, <laughs> I've painted my nails before, and... This woman, who is probably 45, it, the, she lit up like she had figured out a crossword puzzle on Sunday. She's like, oh, you're in a band, aren't you? Like, she she thought she had me dead right. You're in a band. Yeah. It's like, what? No. It's like, well, your fingernails are painted. It's like, where do you talk? What? <laughs> it's just because I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for a while, I had my... Uh... For at least, for it was at least my uh, thumbnail, painted pink, mm-hmm. like uh, we're talking diva oh, bubblegum pink. Yeah, you were doing that for like uh, awareness. Breast cancer awareness. First... There you go. Yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah. So I did that once, and then I actually had mm-hmm. on, written on the nails "Nerf this." <laughs> I like that. It, it was great, but then I just kind of kept it kept it on. I was like, uh-huh. it, it was one of those things of people really questioned it, especially my uh, boss, uh-huh. and I was like. Well, I'm doing it because I don't care. I was like, I, I like the way it looks. It doesn't. You're right. ma- you're making a lot of assumptions, and I feel like that's that is a larger part of um, creative people as a whole. People mm-hmm. make assumptions about them, um, because I, I would venture to say a lot more creative people have more of the free spirit sort of personality. Who it's like, why did you do this? Mm, because I could. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you, you don't it's see not a particularly act- abstract thought. It's like it makes me feel handsome, or because I want it to. Right? Maybe yeah. I want to feel pretty too. Yeah, um, there you go. And whereas people who don't fall in the creative community have this very no, I, I need to, and, and maybe I'm broadly generalizing them, but they have this idea of nope, got to stay within these black and white rules of social construct and. I can't wear I, I you know I can't wear these colored nails or this mm-hmm. colored hair at my office job and it's like why I also think that we're also approaching this we're also in a deeply conservative state so we're probably you know in a, in a microcosm within that so yeah this is true yeah yeah um but as a as a whole I feel like I see a lot more creative people not when I when I explain I don't like my desk job People are like, why? It's good. And I'm like, oh, no, I agree. It's great. It's just not for me. Right. Um, and I can't imagine, like, I really can't imagine you sitting behind a desk at an insurance company going, this is what I enjoy doing. <laughs> mm. Look, interest, fascinating. 
boy howdy do i like powerpoint <laughs> exactly it's like while i'm good at it it doesn't mean i want to do this right it means i just don't want to lose my job but it's it's one of those people when you tell people i don't like this job or i think it's stressful they're like but it's it's a great job and i'm like for you for you it is <laughs> for me this is a prison sentence and to I would venture to say to anybody who has an artistic inclination, mm-hmm. sitting at a desk job, doing insurance, doing paperwork, is like a prison sentence. Because um, yeah. when you talk to artists, and you're you're amongst them of, what do you want to do professionally, art, artistically? I don't know. Whatever I want. It's that freedom. <laughs> it, it's that freedom of, if somebody asks, what do you want to, what do you see yourself doing in 20 years? Art? That's about as general as I can get. I mean, I want to want to own a couch sometime between now and then, but outside of that, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, well, I was uh, last night I was explaining on stream that I've done music. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple published albums on Google. Mm-hmm. I've done. Uh, I'm working on audiobooks. Right. Uh, doing streaming, doing YouTube video editing. Uh producing podcasts other than just this one now mm-hmm. and it's like why because i can it, it feeds that artistic inclination absolutely and i don't think that a lot of people understand that as a whole that art isn't some there are some people who resonate with one particular brand i mean bob ross i can't imagine him doing music but mm-hmm. i imagine he would be good if he tried but they see that and they almost see art as not not viable until the exact moment it is right right um, I gotcha. like a, like a fair weather uh well i guess connoisseur it, maybe it's like well bring bringing this forward it's like um people don't view youtuber content creation as a thing until the moment that you're hitting PewDiePie levels or you're right. hitting they're and like I I agree with this 100% and that same logic mm-hmm. is what I'll get to with my art preservation because okay. there's a there's a lot of bias around a lot of pretty much everything that we're talking about just because it's so new yeah um you know um what I guess we can just segue into the art preservation thing I mean that's a perfect segue if you want to yeah before we do that let me Our weather sponsor is our 8-Bit Metal. This episode of the Gaming Control Podcast is sponsored by 8-Bit Metal. Are you a heavy metal fan? What about retro gaming and game collecting? Look no further than 8-Bit Metal. They're a mixer streamer focusing on positive, fun content. So head on over to mixer.com slash 8 underscore bit underscore metal. That's Mixer.com slash 8BitMetal. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Back to you. Okay, so you were talking about art preservation. Yeah, yeah. So, and there, how's, there's a bias. Do you want to explain? Well, specifically with my... There's a lot of context that the listener is unaware of. So I, I've started a YouTube channel. I have a massive massive collection of original production used cells and production notes from anime series um many i want to clarify something maybe i don't know that some people would know a cell is like a single frame from a movie correct 
Correct. Okay. Or 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 it could be a, a part of. So it it, it is a frame, mm-hmm. but uh, some sometimes there are multiple layers involved outside of the background. But if you know you have a uh, an example I'll give is when the sequence when uh, you know Pokemon trainers initiate battle and they're both sliding. Okay. If that makes sense, so you're you know you've got the main trainer who's throwing the Pokeball and then he's facing his opponent. That sequence where they're sliding okay. across each other. Yeah. Uh, th- those are that's at least two cells. Okay. Um, yeah. For those who do video or photography, it's like layers. So you've right. got a character layer and then you've got the other character layer and they slide across. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just uh, so carry on then. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um. And uh, I've I've begun uh, woo, words. Let me start over again. I have begun archiving them and translating all the notes because I I had come come to this realization that I go to a lot of these conventions. That's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a market for them. These things are in circulation, just as almost like currency is, almost like legal tender is. And when they get bought, you do not see them again. The, you have they're gone and there is a wealth of information uh with the cells their imperfections uh, notes associated with the scenes uh you have <clears throat> packages that the the teams get divided into and that's their task for the day or the week so you can track down artists name um you can track down products what they used and what time brushes um you can see where budget gets involved because of decisions within the 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 creative process if there's a it's 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 a wealth of not um an example i can i can give is if there is a miscolored cell just barely maybe say the shade of blue is off mm-hmm. it could be because there was a shortage in the office and somehow a cell got damaged and they needed to recreate that one expediently to make some sort of deadline and you know that's that story is available but if you know these, these are getting bought up if you if you go on ebay right now mm-hmm. and look at animation cells some of these are as cheap as five dollars and a lot of them a lot of backgrounds specifically are just unlabeled. It'll, it'll read unknown anime, unknown anime. So where the, the bias is because it's so new, things like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or Naruto, um, people have a bias that it, that it doesn't need to be archived or it's so new that they're that they're not thinking about it in historical terms because these episodes are still airing they're still being made and that concerns me because we have we have if we go one step removed further mm-hmm. in the past um, as far as I guess when documentation be- started so video games are also a young medium but you have things that exist in maybe a dozen that are hand labeled that were only distributed on a college campus in 1979 on a floppy that are of great historical significance but they just don't you know nobody will ever see them 
because in 1979 nobody thought to archive the same way that uh, film it was it was new it yeah. was it was it was a gimmick that that there are swaths of films that we will never see and there are probably some films within our lifetime that are over 100 years old that we will see because they're just in storage somewhere so it's kind of like and maybe this is garishly over exaggerating but it's kind of like how there are entire works of art that we won't have any information about because they were not documented and they were taken in World War II from Jewish families. And they just, poof, disappeared. Or the burning of the libraries of Alexander. No other copy existed in the entire world at the time. And one event caused all to be lost. So it's basically like you're saying is like, hey... Just because this anime is new doesn't mean it doesn't matter to preserve it because it could be gone in the next moment. Right. So it's like um, museum cataloging. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I just uh, my platform of choice is just a YouTube video. So have so there's there's a there's a YouTube channel that I think you might have interest in if you haven't heard of it. Um, have you ever heard of the Brain Scoop? No. It started out as this lady um, who was dissecting animals in for college and is now actually working for the Natural History Museum in Chicago as their, me their media out outreach. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how things are cataloged, like where it was found, what condition it was found, who it was found by, where it was found, who found it, what day it was, the weather, and... When you were talking about documenting, like, budget and who drew it and things like that, I was sitting there going, that seems like it would be – I feel like there could be a – I feel like there should be something for anime uh, specifically mm -hmm. because, like you said, there's so much – if you think about it, there is so much anime that goes unseen. Absolutely, yeah. Um. And they exist. But if no one ever documented it other than the fact that it existed, it's lost. Mm -hmm. So what what got you into that? Uh, I was – initially I was just searching for content to kick off a YouTube channel. Just back to our points before, I just wanted to create something, and I'm a pretty comfortable artist – um, but I wanted something new mm -hmm. to express that, and I love anime. I speak Japanese, so I had that available to me, and I didn't see that sort of content on YouTube. I mean, there's really, really rushed uh, documentarian style of, like, this is how an episode of Naruto is made, and it's just very, very brief Mm -hmm. um, you got the lines, and you got the ink, and you got yeah, color, and you got voice exactly, actor. It's done. Exactly. Bada boom. It's it's like a DVD featurette, and it's over in four minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just I was just like starved of that kind of content, and so I was like, well, I'll just make it myself. That is that's actually really cool. Um, I feel like you had explained it earlier about uh, to me maybe out, outside of this, but it was like art preservation i was like oh okay but hearing you describe it it's it's actually really cool 
Yeah, there. I mean, there. I've got some cells. Uh, I guess specifically from Bubblegum Crisis. So they're I... basically. It's like, have you not heard of it? No, I've heard of Bubblegum okay. Crisis. I feel like gotcha. it was those nineties. Uh, I had Voltron DVD and not Voltron DVDs, Robotech DVDs that had that as a trailer right next to oh, yeah. like those who hunt elves. <laughs> so, so bubblegum crisis has, um, its name is a bit of a, a play on words of a, a socioeconomic happening. Mm-hmm. So lo- the long story short of it is it's, it's going to be a very truncated explanation. And in, in the late eighties to mid nineties, there was great economic growth. Japan had been wealthier than it had ever been. And a lot of that wealth was distributed amongst the middle class. So you had these young men and women that suddenly had a disposable income. And that phenomenon was called the bubble economy or baburukeki. And that's where the term bubblegum crisis comes in. So it's like, even the historical significance, like like the name of an episode that could be a play on a political event or a socioeconomic event, things like that, I'll go into detail. Okay. Um, so comparing it, I do a lot of comparisons to help me understand as well as yeah, uh, no the listeners. There is an episode of Pokemon, uh, I believe it's Advanced, that is entitled On a Wingle and a Prayer. <laughs> If you did not understand the context of that is referencing on a wing and a prayer by Bon Jovi, that name (laughs) does not make sense. (laughs) So bubblegum crisis is you're like you said, it's referencing a socioeconomic position at a center of time. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the same period of time where initial D's was coming. So like the like the modifying cars and drifting. Mm-hmm. Because there were there were there was so much disposable income that like the hobbies just became more and more expensive, so people were just you know like casually like modifying cars and racing them because there was so much wealth. It it that almost reminds me of like uh, Akira. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, I mean Akira, Akira uh, when it was uh, so actually now all right yeah now that you mentioned it so Akira. Yeah, it has probably the world record for frames of animation in uh, an animated film, mm-hmm. or at least a, at least a Japanese one. So Akira was released in 1989, I believe. Okay. So that is in the middle of Baburukeki. So that economic growth also carried into the production. So it's things like that where we have that context and I can carry that context into reading these notes or explaining why, Oh, Akira is drawn at 24 frames a second. This is the reason because there was disposable income and, and, and it was so successful. Not only was it a high quality title, but more people had more time available and more money available to to see it. See it. Right. So, I mean, you can even see it. I think it's um, in one part of Malcolm in the middle. Uh, you can see Akira. Uh, Akira. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's like, okay, it, the cultural significance even extends outside of Japan. Mm-hmm. So, in a level, this art preservation is not just preserving the frames or the cells. 
and breaking down the notes, it's also taking into account the historical context. So you're, it's like one part art history and one part actual history. Right, right. Because, like, like you said, Bubblegum Crisis uh, doesn't make sense unless you understand the historical context of they're in a bubble economy. Right. That's actually really cool. That is, I don't, I think that is a very niche market on YouTube, and I think that could be something see, that is grown. See, that's what I was saying. I was like, I got this ludicrous wealth of knowledge, not to be, you know, tooting my own horn, but I've got this, like, this ludicrous wealth of knowledge where I just, like, I, if I were on Cash Cab, I'd make bank. But, like, I didn't see anybody really talking about it. And, um, like, Bubba Dukeki gets mentioned a lot in Japanese media because it was, you know, it's important. It's it's important. You also see people that are you know in their forties and now probably approaching fifty who are twenty when it was happening, that are you know, they're they're telling the the youth now it's like oh the good old days you know I could I you know I didn't I only had to work four days a week and I could go to the baseball games and you know blah 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 right. so you know like you'll see it just passively be mentioned in television shows or news and. Well, I mean, it extends even to our current cultural climate of those darn millennials. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, maybe there's a reason for that. Because of the 80s, 90s was a bubble economy. Everybody had a little bit more expendable income. That is actually really cool. Um, So, wow. So are you working on any projects now, art preservation-wise? Um, just really documenting all of my collection, and I I suppose so. I'm I'm going through the collection as I had it stored, and if I see a particularly interesting um, piece, that's when I'll decide to make a video of it. I was gonna say now, are you doing only videos? Or are you actually gonna be writing anything down to uh, preserve it non digitally, as it were? Um, probably, but, uh, the, I have written it down. However, it's, it's kind of crudely archived with, within my means and, and it's within the description of the YouTube video. If you wanted to see how, I don't know, like words are, are, are spelled, which, you know, mm-hmm. or, or how phrases are written. We need to get you in touch with Doug, who is a writer. Okay. Cause I think that would actually be kind of a really cool, like art book. Like breaking down, almost like an art history book, but mm-hmm. focused solely on like anime, animation. Um, because I feel like that would actually be a really good book for collectors. Mm-hmm. Because not everyone can afford to go out and buy the cells, right? Right, right. But if you were super into, say, Bubblegum Crisis, Having that art book, you're able to look at the recreation of a cell or even like a picture of the cell, which is meta Mm -hmm. in and of itself. You'd be able to look at it and see the importance and like look at notes that are transcribed or translated and talk about why it's important. Mm -hmm. That would be something I could see somebody going and saying, hey, I'm really a huge fan of this series. I'm going to get it. And boom. Absolutely. That's actually really cool. (laughs) because <laughs> it's not something i've ever really thought about because it's not something i think anybody really ever thinks about like we 
we all and I, even I'm guilty of this. We kind of just take anime for granted, and I is I say that as we're as we're on a podcast that initially started to talk about anime and gaming <laughs> and things, of talking about taking it for granted. Like, we well, go, there there it, are, uh, you know, and I don't think everybody is that. I don't think I should say it's not entirely unreasonable mm-hmm. to have that dissonance because when you get something presented to you as a product, be it an episode of anime or a video game, and it's in packaging and it's surrounded by cellophane and you've opened up the box. It, it's a product. You are so many steps removed from everybody associated with it that, you know, it's it, you know, it's like buying a, you know, bunch of bananas at the grocery store. You know, it's there. There well, it is. You it's, know, so. it's like bringing it full circle, and I think this is probably where we can wrap up. Bringing it full circle, it's like listening to K-pop. Oh, yeah. You're so <laughs> many parts removed that unless you consciously think about it, you don't realize the conditions in which the artists are actually in. Mm-hmm. But because it's processed and packaged really pretty and it looks and sounds good, you have that disconnect, that dissonance, like you said. Absolutely. You're, you're so far removed from the initial source that you just don't stop and think about it. That is – that's really cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to more of your projects. Uh, oh yeah, I I would love to, I would love to do something in the future together. That would be, uh, I think that would be a dream. We did well. We did kind of half hazardly plan the ice skating montage to the Yuri on Ice theme. You mean, I don't that, think you mean the half hazardly of snapping our ankles together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's gonna. But I'm gonna. So I'm gonna have that audio turned down. But then I'm gonna have the Yuri on Ice theme turned up, so it's not gonna be as off-putting. <laughs> Just sounding it. Yeah, there you go. I think. You can can you feel my heartbeat? Exactly. <laughs> so, other than your YouTube, which will be in the description as well, um, what other what other places can people find your work? Uh, Instagram predominantly. I, I think I'm the most active on Instagram, though I am active on YouTube in that I skulk around and fall down rabbit holes. Um, but uh, so my Instagram is Zach with an H 13, the number, and then art. Okay. I've actually got that pulled up right now. I was looking at it before Ooh, the uh, fancy. I know. I was looking at it before the uh, before I recorded. Yeah, my um. Well, I'm starting to do it now. I've only been making videos seriously since January, and I think I've already got six or seven out, which is ridiculous now that I think about it. Um, we're in January. We're we in the are. middle of January. Holy heck. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll put, you know, if I have, say, imports, mm. I'll, I'll show, you know, like a quick unboxing or a preview or um, – or, documenting the documentation showing what raw footage looks like and me mumbling to myself kind of moving my hands in such a way that i remind myself upon editing it's like oh this is that point you can't see me move my hands as i do it this is the point i was making yes because i have to dub over it because i think it's more convenient i can get a more consistent i guess cadence that way so you so I'll post videos of me just awkward to be like Naruto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. We need to get you in a professional booth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm uh, I'm surrounded by towels right now to uh buff out the sound. So. Let's talk. Um okay. I think that's going to wrap it up. 
right. I, that, was, I, that was a nice that was a nice round podcast. We, like, we brought it back. You know, we brought perfect, it back. Perfect summation. Exactly. So, uh, without further ado, we do have a Patreon now. I know, right? Uh, if you want to help support the podcast and everything that we do, it gets a little easier to get people onto the show. We're like, hey, we're a legitimate thing right now. Um, thank you, Zach, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really good. I think we're going to have to try to have you back sometime soon. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can uh, – well, I mean, at the very least, I can get on one of your streams. Yeah, you know, where it's sure. a little, uh, we can cut loose a little more. You know, oh, so. a whole lot more. <laughs> um, so I think that until next week, we will see you again later. Bye. Thanks, guys, and thank you to all of our listeners out there because we really couldn't do it without you. We hope you enjoyed this week's Gaming and Chill podcast. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, follow us on social media, or learn how to support the podcast directly. Check us out at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. Also, be sure to stay up to date with Gaming and Chill by following us on Twitter at at gaming underscore in underscore chill. Yes, that is gaming underscore in as in Nancy underscore chill. You can also find links to the articles, games, and videos mentioned in this podcast in the description below. Thanks again for watching, and until next time.